Welcome to the Chrisman Commentary Daily Mortgage News Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Chrisman. Topics on today's episode include Households without bank accounts My interview with Jeremy Potter on mortgage industry product innovation and various ways lenders are overcoming current challenges and the progress against high inflation. Thanks to today's podcast sponsor, MCT. Over the past 20 years, MCT has evolved from a pipeline hedging services specialist into the industry leader for fully integrated capital market software and services. Anchored by their comprehensive platform, MCT Live, MCT offers the innovative technology and bespoke client support needed to elevate your performance. From MCT Live to MSR Live to the award-winning bid auction manager, BAM, MCT is consistently first to market with new technology. Learn more at mcttrading.com and contact MCT today to learn how BAM Marketplace is boosting investor set optimization and adding 12 basis points of profitability. Juneteenth is not only my dad's cat Myrtle's 12th birthday, but far, far more importantly, commemorates the end of slavery in the United States. On June 19, 1865, Major General Gordon Granger, a Civil War Union general, issued an order in Galveston, Texas, announcing that all slaves were free under the Emancipation Proclamation, which had been issued more than two years earlier. The 250,000 black people enslaved in Texas were the last in the country to receive notice of the proclamation. It's a safe bet that a few of them, if any, had bank accounts. So how do lenders, if any, handle households without bank accounts? Turns out that even now, nationwide, 5.4% of U.S. households manage their money without a bank account. Yes, the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, or FDIC, tells us that it is more than 7 million households. Unbanked households tend to rely upon check-cashing services to liquidate their paper checks. Most unbanked households use fee-based services to cash checks, pay bills, or set money orders. Loan officers encourage potential borrowers to set up a mobile banking app that can eliminate the need to use fee-based check-cashing services. And there are firms such as SoFi offering direct deposit alternatives. For today's interview, I wanted to welcome onto the show Jeremy Potter to talk about mortgage industry product innovation and various ways lenders are overcoming current challenges. He's a thought leader in the industry, regularly sharing his insights on how the industry can move forward through the power of innovation. He's held leadership roles at Stavi, Quicken Loans, now Rocket Mortgage, Norcom Mortgage, and Nesting. Let's start by talking about product innovation. And obviously, to win business, especially in a, a tough lending environment, people are trying to get creative with products. And that ultimately does benefit the end consumer, which is Great, but I, I want to start this conversation by asking you, what's next or how can lenders think about innovation in this current environment? Yeah, I think one of the biggest challenges or obstacles to true product innovation, especially when you're talking about mortgage products or financial products, is the fact that so much of the credit policy is dominated by Fannie and Freddie. So when you think, uh, if you're at a mortgage lender trying to come up with a new way to frame something, can I do this within the Fannie Freddie credit policy or will it require a guideline change and would they ever let me 
and should I even ask and who do I ask if I have an idea are all obstacles. They're all barriers to trying new ideas. And so one of the um, it, one of the images that always comes back to me when I'm talking about product innovation is a scene from Apollo 13 where the engineers on the ground dump out a box of pieces and parts and tell the other engineers and astronauts, we have this to work with. You've got to create a solution out of what's on this table right now. And then they go to work doing it and they find a solution. They call it up to the astronauts who are stuck on the shuttle and they implement that solution. And it was based just on what they had access to in the shuttle. And I feel like a lot of times we're in the mortgage industry trying to make a solution out of just what we have on the table. Only the things available to us within the Fannie Freddie credit box. Obviously, depository banks can do other types of things and then put loans on their balance sheet. And that's great. And they should. And I would love to work on innovation in that space because it gives them a little bit more freedom. But in the Fannie Freddie space, which is, as we know, over 90% of what's going on uh, is some sort of government-backed mortgage, we're stuck with those ingredients. And so I think that's one of the biggest obstacles. So you, you're you out on the road speaking with different trade associations like MBA or Housing Wire, dare I mention their name. <laughs> and uh, I, I kind of want to ask you is, why is product development or product innovation so hard to cover? Is it because people are thinking inside this box of these are the materials I have, this is all I have to work with, or are there other reasons you see? Yeah, I think I think the exciting part is there's a lot of energy and there's a lot of momentum around thinking about problems differently, right? So like at dinner last night, we were talking about asking what if or asking questions in a different way to get a different answer, what if? And I think a lot of organizations right now are saying, what if we did it this way? Or what if we tried this? Where I think it's groups like uh, convening companies together, convening in innovators together struggle is around who can share what in the room. Can product managers, can credit policy folks, can the head of underwriting talk actually talk about uh, um, an idea without fearing that either they aren't allowed to share that or that someone at their company is going to blame them for sharing that. So like senior executives can get in a room and they're the decide, they can decide what to share. But when it gets to people who are actually making a lot of these decisions within the credit policy group or within a, a product innovation group, I think there's a lot of uncertainty, but we're all working on the same problems. We're all facing the same struggles because we're all bound by the same Fannie Freddie constraints. It seems like everybody wants a better coverage of product ideas or or kind of direction on on what's to think about when it's trying new things and and money's tight. Do you differentiate between content or actual tools and solutions? How how should companies be thinking about it? I mean, I think one of the things that I learned that I especially in independent mortgage companies that I like is this idea of, of brand the bland. The idea that you can actually take a concept that we in the industry, because we're so knowledgeable about underwriting guidelines and credit policy and how mortgage works, we kind of sometimes overlook the way that could be framed or explained as a new product or a new feature to the market. And so I think a lot of times you'll see whether it's 
um, working with mortgage insurance companies or working with a vendor or working with some other like ancillary partnership or product, you can actually put those together and brand it as a new mortgage when underlying it's a 30-year fixed. But because you've done it in a way that spoke to a specific constituency, like there's something I'm thinking about right now a lot. Uh, I'll just use it as an example in our conversation. Uh, the the access to a home warranty is an old product. It's an old idea. A home warranty is not new. But the ability uh, to, to add it into the real estate transaction has largely been done by real estate agents. Real estate agents say, hey, to sell this house, we should add the warranty in as a sweetener for buyers, potentially. Or sometimes real estate agents will independently sell it to a buyer to cover appliances and other stuff in the house. But imagine like the concept of like a rainy day mortgage where you actually marry the warranty in the mortgage product in a way that allows you to have a backstop for first-time home buyers in those first few years of home ownership, where generally the things that, uh, other than loss of income or, or something, things that can really uh, mess up your first few years are major problems in your house, your roof, your hot water heater, other things like that. And all of a sudden you're running the credit card or you're borrowing money and you get behind. And so um, that would be an example where you could easily make that a new mortgage when it isn't a new mortgage per se, but it's a way of attracting attention to something in this highly competitive environment where it sets you apart, it differentiates you. So you and I will talk about cash flow underwriting on a subsequent podcast here, but we talked about some examples before this interview, purchase lead gen, better ways of using down payment money or gifts. Can you kind of give us a practical example? Let's take let's take purchase lead gen. Where do you see innovation potentially aiding that part of the process? Yeah, the one uh, one of the areas that I've been thinking a lot about in purchase lead gen is around um, the flow of information, or actually the ability to do more with the partnerships that are already in place. So you hear a lot about all in one platforms. Um, that was a common threat or competitive. Uh, um, pressure that that I was well aware of a few years ago, I think at the uh, height of the all-in-one platform. When I say all-in-one, by the way, I'm talking about real estate, mortgage, title, and insurance being under the same roof or offered by the same company. So one of the things um, we saw was the rise of that that type of company, but largely it didn't take over. Largely it became part of the market, um, but the ability to work with independent agents who send referrals your way from a purchase perspective and the ability to push more data and insights and access from the mortgage company side to the real estate side has become more important than ever. So not just being a mortgage fulfillment partner at the beck and call of the real estate agent, but actually sending data insights and even leads back through technology to the real estate agent, I think is an area of opportunity for a lot of companies right now, how you provide a ton of value in this moment to real estate partners. And I think there are some startups working on it, but I think it's an area that could really be beneficial for independent mortgage companies. So this segues into something I wanted to talk to you about, and I know you're interested in, and that's kind of half-baked ideas, or you know what should exist. Uh, some examples that that we discussed were what's stopping banks from issuing home loan pre-approvals proactively based on checking account or direct deposit info. And I guess I want to say, what are the challenge? Generally speaking, what are the challenges to the industry that that keep these from coming to fruition? 
I think one of the biggest challenges historically that is changing the fastest is access to real-time data. So I think when we look back 10 years from now, let's say, I think one of the biggest things that we're comfortable with now, but we're even overlooking or taking for granted is that data aggregators, um, when I say data aggregators, we're talking like form freeze uh, account check or, or Finicity or Plaid, the ability to drive right into the consumer's checking and savings account and see what's going on in their life, let's see what's going on uh, uh, from an underwriting perspective has actually created a ton of opportunities. These companies went in and basically said, this is your data. We're going to claim it on your behalf. And then you can easily share it to mortgage applications or wherever you want. And I think that's one of the things um, that we're seeing now, once you have access to real-time financial data for an individual or a household, what else can you innovate off of that? I don't even think we've scratched the surface to be candid. So I'm going to ask you some questions you had posed to me, and I want you to keep these to five-word answers or less. Mm. Challenge accepted. Yeah, we're going to run through a couple here. Let's see. Why can't we do title inspection and appraisal at home listings then let buyers have access to all that data, saving two weeks minimum? Access to the home is limited by the seller and the seller's agent. All right, maybe we'll make it 10 words or less. That was close. Yeah, that was good. That was good. Sorry, it was just a, just a one, <laughs> sen one sentence or less. Why can't we make all loans 3% down if we know the monthly payment someone can afford? And we know better than ever before the home's value, thanks to appraisal and AMC industry innovation. The depth of the credit models has to make the investor community comfortable. Would consumers want to close a home loan fully digitally if they could use an Apple or Meta headset to see the title and closing table? This is one of my favorites. So I'm sorry I went off the 10 word uh, response just there. <laughs> I actually think the virtual branch and the virtual closing table is the future. And I think the first company that gets there is going to get a lot of notoriety for creating a virtual closing table. Well, I can't wait to shell out 3,500 for the new Apple Vision Pros so I can close my next mortgage. That'll be good. And finally, is the promise of chat GPT or AI better financial literacy or better credit decisions or both? There should be a two word or one word answer. Both. Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell will be in the spotlight this week with appearances on Capitol Hill in front of the House Financial Services Committee and the Senate Banking Committee. Powell's testimony will supplement the release of the Fed's semi-annual monetary policy report. Sure, with inflation falling, the Federal Reserve last week paused interest rate increases to assess the effect of its tightening campaign. Bond markets took a more cautious stance in response after the dot plot revealed that the potential for two more hikes this year was real, and expectations amongst investors are being recalibrated toward higher rates for longer. Last week was a busy one for markets, with a slew of economic releases, as well as the aforementioned Fed policy decision. The NFIB Small Business Optimism Index was higher for the first time in months, and 19% of firms reported plans to increase payrolls in the coming months. Progress toward returning inflation to pre-pandemic levels continues, but remains slower than many would like. Consumer prices for May fell, which was widely expected, as falling energy and food prices kept overall inflation down. The two measures of inflation, CPI and PCE, have a 0.7% gap between them, with the current annual core PCE reading at 4.7%. 
While it is likely to see the PCE rate fall into the upper threes by the end of the year, it's still a long way from the Fed's preferred 2%. The Fed will not likely think about cutting rates until sometime in 2024, as the central bank does not want to cut too soon and risk a return to higher inflation. This week does not pack as much market-moving potential as the prior one, though there are some notable events, including Fed Chair Powell testifying on the semi-annual monetary policy report on Wednesday and Thursday. That's to say, notable events outside of Myrtle's 12th birthday today. Meow. <laughs> the data this week will also be less market-moving than last week and includes updates on housing, regional Fed surveys, the current account, and S&P Global PMIs on Friday. Despite today's holiday, the NAHB Housing Market Index for June is expected to be released later this morning. The bond market is closed, so mortgage rate sheet prices should be taken with a grain of salt for any lenders who are pushing out rates. Let's wrap up with a joke and some housekeeping. A woman walks into a gun shop. It's for my husband, she tells the owner. Did he tell you what caliber to get? The owner asks. Are you joking? He doesn't even know I'm going to shoot him. <laughs> Thanks again to MCT and its hedge advisory division. Download their recently released white paper, Mortgage Pipeline Hedging 101, for more information on hedging in today's market. And contact MCT to learn how BAM Marketplace is boosting investor set optimization and adding 12 basis points of profitability. If you have any questions about the podcast or sponsoring opportunities, send me an email at Robbie at robchrisman.com. Visit robchrisman.com for more information on our industry partners, access to archived commentaries, and how to subscribe to the daily mortgage news and commentary. To listen to or download past episodes of this podcast, search Mortgage News on any platform you get your podcast from.